My Dear Fiona by Francis Rosenfeld Chapter 9 Entering the Earth You sent me a dream when I was a child, Fiona, one of those weird dreams you don't share, especially at that age, when nothing matters to you in the world, other than pleasing your parents. I couldn't forget it, though, like I can't forget any of my other dreams about you. Those dreams, they feel so real. So real. Like a second life unfolding, independent of this one. In the dream, I saw you standing in front of a green mound, smiling, it was summer, and you wore a white dress, held around your body with green ribbons. You had ribbons and flowers in your hair as well, and a torch, lit in the middle of the day, and I couldn't help laugh at the absurdity of illuminating daylight, but you didn't get upset, you smiled and signaled me with your other hand to follow. You turned around, and I followed, and as I did, I saw you were dead, merely a skeleton wrapped in leathery skin, but somehow I felt loved more than I ever did in my life before and since, and realized I didn't care, you didn't scare me in that state, and strange as it may sound, you were still beautiful. I kept after you, careful not to fall behind, but as you approached the hill you melted into it and disappeared, and there, I couldn't follow. How strange it is to recall this dream today, as I'm standing in front of Maisho, gaping, stunned, at an image I thought only existed in my dreams. I half expect to see you appear in front of it, smiling. How many times have you come here, my Viking sister? I trust enough in what you show me to know this isn't your forever home. I closed my eyes for a moment, to steady myself, and my demeanor changed without my doing, as if to get me ready for an unexpected ancient rite, the kind one only understands through its very experience, the rite of entering the earth. There is a long path to the entrance of the tomb, which makes walking towards it feel like a procession. The tight stone entrance tunnel looked surreal, in the context of my dream, as if the dwellers in the earth, whoever they may have been, finally decided to grant me safe passage into their realm, one whose threshold the living are not normally allowed to cross. The ceiling of the tunnel, built of massive monoliths, was very low, and I had to walk bent in half, as if it had been conceived for much smaller beings. The gnomes, maybe, the guardians of the earth's riches? I don't know how but I could feel the traces of your fingertips where you touched the stones. They are fearsome, the stones, and their archives of memories. I felt as if those were my hands as well, in a much older life. What's a thousand years in the face of eternity? Entering the earth is a sacred tradition of almost every ancient culture, a symbol for traveling to the underworld, to meet the phonic gods and homeune with the ancestors. The act of getting deep inside the heavy dark soil is akin to a burial. The stone walls closed around me and I started hyperventilating, and that's when I saw you standing there, not five feet away from me, laughing and twirling your fair hair around your fingers. I can't be scared inside your world, not even when the giant stones pressed so tight against my chest they felt like they were going to squeeze me alive. The tour guide saw me and asked are you all right, miss? And I nodded, embarrassed to make a scene inside a sacred site, he must have seen his share of claustrophobics, so he reassured me, we're almost there, the chamber is much bigger, you'll feel better there. I know that, Fiona knows that, tell that to my body, which chose this most inopportune moment to go on strike. You will carry me, I commanded it, quietly of course, since I looked weird enough to the rest of the group already. The lightheadedness from my incipient panic attack put me in a strange hypnotic state. I was there, but not fully, 
I felt like I was breaching the threshold between two worlds, and you were standing on the other side of the door, my sister, waving me in, like you did in the dream, twirling around to show off your white garment and giggling with the devil-may-care lightheartedness of youth. The underworld gods have been gracious and hospitable, I couldn't waddle my way into their chambers like a drunken goat, even if my visual field had narrowed significantly, turned into tunnel vision to rhyme with the dark tunnel I was in. I steadied myself, my body feeling like it was floating, and the impression I was performing some sort of ancient rite took over me again, and made the hunch-down walk feel graceful, like a long curtsy to my non-human hosts. When I reached the end of the corridor, my body unfolded with relief, the way a blossom opens, a strange inverted flower that blooms inside the earth while its roots are out into the world. The tour guide gave us a detailed presentation of the cairn and its possible uses, with dates and historic markers, and stories about the more recent carvings, while I listened to him in a daze, mesmerized by watching you run around and giggle. You pointed at a wall carving, while the guide explained it to us, visibly moved, laughed, excited, and pulled the ring still hanging on a thread around your neck, from under your white dress, to show me it, to show me it and the carving were the same, the dragon of Maisho, the quintessential symbol of Orkney. I watched you turn serious after that, as you placed an offering inside one of the square stone alcoves. Was that a human bone? You're giving me the creeps, but what do I know, modern woman that I am, who lives in a society which sanitized death to the point where it no longer touches the living. Your people lived with their dead, they cherished their bones and weren't wary of touching them, and cleaning them, and showing them their love and respect. A femur, it looks like. Yeah, I tried, that's too much for me. But then I remembered my dream, how beautiful you still were, even in that state. I think I'm going to need some air, somewhere away from the tunnel vision and the idea of human bones, however old, even if made acceptable by your presence. I didn't want to talk about this, of course, not with perfect strangers, and even if I did, I couldn't, physically. My jaw was clenched in a tetanus grip to keep my teeth from chattering uncontrollably. We need to get you some air, miss, the tour guide preempted my imminent bid to rejoin the ancestors in spirit, if only via unconsciousness, if nothing else, and insisted on supporting my arm as we crawled back out through the tunnel, which made for an impossible contortion of our bodies. Outside, the sky looked so impossibly high I got sucked into it, and could barely repress the instinct to run back in, like a vampire caught in the sunlight. Sit down to catch your breath, here's some water, the tour guide encouraged me, and as he handed me the bottle I saw myself in his eyes, looking ghostly pale and kind of loopy. Great. I thought, mortified, aren't you the communer with the dead? Bring yourself smelling salts next time, oh most psychic one. I got irrationally furious with a hippie lady and her crazy story about riding into the kingdom of the dead, and with me for taking her seriously. A medium who faints in a tomb is like a sailor who can't swim. What is the point of having the gift, really? I swore to keep my predicament to myself and hoped to God not to cross paths with the other visitors again, especially in circumstances that would encourage them to share. How was Maisho, honey? My mother asked over the phone, excited, knowing how much I was looking forward to the trip, I told her the stories and the details about that place so many times she threatened to stop talking to me altogether if she had to hear them again. It was very special, mother, I offered her the evasive truth. An unforgettable experience. 
You should send us some pictures with you inside, you know, she chirped cheerfully. They don't allow photography, I said, saved by the rules and with deep relief. What a pity, I would have loved to have a picture of you in a cairn, I know how much they mean to you. The last bit of the conversation felt so bizarre and indescribably creepy in context it almost made me experience what it would be like if that femur Fiona was handling like a familiar household object belonged to me. We act like we're going to live forever and never picture ourselves a millennium into the future. We all look alike when reduced to our bones. Maybe that was the point of gathering them in one place and meshing them together until you could no longer tell which bone belonged to who.